Hey, what's going on, everyone? It's scriptwriter Steve with a shameless plug for my company, Dream Weddings Hawaii. So, if you want to get married in Hawaii, if you want to get your vows renewed in Hawaii, and if you want some family pictures in Hawaii, make sure you check me out. So, my website is dreamweddingshawaii.com. So, that's dream, weddings with a S, Hawaii spelled out, dot com. Yo, what is going on, everyone? What is cooking? This is scriptwriter Steve. You reach my podcast, Barbecue to Movies. Well, today is June 2nd, 2022. Where the hell did May go, right? May just swept by and I didn't know what the hell happened. You know why? Because I had COVID. I had freaking COVID and uh, COVID just makes you lazy. <laughs> and not one day that I had COVID did I feel that I was actually in danger. I did a podcast about it. You can... Listen all about it if you want to. I'm not going to talk more about it. But I do have to say that every now and then you'll hear me do this because I still have that phlegm that is stuck in the back of my throat. Every now and then I have a coughing fit and I may have to even put the podcast on hold, but I'm still going to try to muscle through it. And if I have to cough, you know, maybe I'll cough while I'm on air and maybe I'll put on pause and I'll cough. Who the hell knows, right? I just want to talk to you guys right now or maybe just talk to myself, okay? You know, again, like I told you, doing a podcast, uh, I guess, by yourself is really strange because all I'm doing is I'm talking to my computer screens, waving my hands like a madman, and uh, just hoping, you know, some of you out there are listening to me, right? And, you know, when I don't do a podcast, some of you actually message me and say, hey, Steve, where's, where, are you, where have you been, right? And the truth is, you know, Sometimes I've just been lazy. Sometimes I've just been busy. And I had a pretty good excuse I had COVID, right? But um, I haven't been podcasting lately because I saw I saw Top Gun. <laughs> well, first of all, I, was, I did have a coughing fit, and then my voice was not up to talking. And then I saw Top Gun yesterday, and then I had to take the next day to like uh, actually recover. And actually, I saw the day before yesterday. And I'll just say this. Top Gun is a great movie. Um, when I did see it, though, uh, I was kind of let down. I mean, I was expecting more. But I'm still going to give this movie an A+, because I thought it was still a really great movie, but I just was expecting more from this director. Uh, because this director, I forgot his name, is Joel Kolinsky or something like that? I, I don't know. I'm not going to Google it. But he was a, he's a really good director who directed one of my favorite movies of all time called Oblivion. And Oblivion is just written just incredibly. It was just, it, it, Oblivion is a movie that is so incredibly written that you can watch it four or five times and you can dissect it like you, and you'll find, you'll just find like how this, this movie's a perfect circle and you'll find like the, mot- the hidden motivation of characters and everything like this. And I didn't get that with Top Gun Maverick. I just got a simple, a very simple, straightforward script. And again, you know, because I'm a former screenwriter, well, I guess I, former screenwriter turned script writer. And the difference is that when I write scripts, I don't write it for the screen anymore. I just write, write it for podcasts, write it for anything other than the screen. And sometimes I'm even just writing it for myself. But um, 
you know, it, it just didn't have a lot of layers to it. The, the plot was just so simple. Not a lot of twists and turns, a lot of predictable twists and turns, and um, you know, nothing that, that really just drove it home for me. Like when I watch other movies on Netflix, and I hate to compare and say Netflix, some Netflix movies are better than Top Gun, but I just finished Stranger Things uh, season three. I'm on, I'm on season four right now, uh, but I thought Stranger, um, Stranger Things season three, it finished tough. It really finished tough. Uh, uh, I loved watching um, Harley Quinn on HBO Max, uh, the cartoon version. That finished tough. Uh, uh, I, I thought um, uh, the the attendant, the, the flight attendant, uh, season one finished really tough. Season two not as tough. Uh, but there's all these. Uh, oh, Castlevania, by the way, Castlevania is a cartoon on on Netflix, which it starts tough and it finishes tough. And when I say tough. It, it just, it, it, things get more epic, more epic, and it just finishes on this great crescendo of conflict, and you're, and you feel so satisfied walking away saying, wow, that was a great movie. Top Gun, had, the first one, Top Gun, right? That had that, that finished on a great crescendo. It was great. And even when you watch it today, it just makes you want to clap. Top Gun Maverick, it's a great movie. Again, I'm not trying to bash it at all, but it doesn't have that crescendo. You know, you're, you, there's moments you laugh. There's, mo- there's moments that are breathtaking. Uh, the, the cinematography, the way they shot this is incredible. Uh, the dogfight scenes are really, really incredible. Um, and, uh, but at the same time, it just doesn't, it doesn't drive it home like the first Top Gun did. But it's still, in my mind, an A+. Because, I don't know. I just have a soft spot in Top Gun for, I guess, I have a soft spot, I have a soft spot for Tom Cruise. Why don't I just say that? All right. Anyway, I don't want to talk about movies right now. What I want to talk about is Joe Biden. I know you're sick and tired of it, but what I'm going to do right now is that this dude, I'm not going to call him my president because he lost my respect a long time ago. All right. He lost my respect a long time ago when he first started running because he ran on a freaking lie. And um, he wrote an op-ed piece. Now, I'm not sure why, but he wrote an op-ed piece that was published in the Wall Street Journal. And this thing is just full of chock full of lies, one after another. And I'm going to read it for you. And I'm going to commentate as I read it. And uh, we'll get straight into this. So I'm going to start reading it right now. Now, the, oh, hold on, hold on. Before I start that, the reason why he started, uh, he, he started actually uh, on, on this huge campaign uh, for, uh, I guess, for himself, is that he believes that the economy is actually doing well, and the message that's the, you just have to change the message. You don't really have to change your plan because in his crazy mind, in his dementia convoluted mind he thinks that he's doing a really really great job (laughs) really do you feel that america is better off with joe biden at the helm is the world better off with joe biden at the helm right do you think the economy is really strong right now i mean do you feel it (laughs) i tell you what my bank account doesn't feel it. I can tell you that for sure. Dream Wedding Soy, not doing so hot, okay? Really not doing so hot. There's only a few wedding companies out there that are doing really good, and those are the ones who are just like, you know, they get all the weddings. But even when we, get, we got the breadcrumbs before, we, we, we still did well, 
right? And there was always wedding companies that did much better than Dream Weddings Hawaii. You know, I, I've been in this business for about 20 years, but I would do about 15 to 20 weddings per month. I'm down to three or four, all right? And I've got a lot of cancellations because my wedding couples are saying, Steve, we just can't afford it anymore. We can't afford to elope in Hawaii because, my God, you know, your eloping package actually is like, not too expensive, but my, I, by the time I fill up my truck, I'm out of money. <laughs> so it's crazy, right? It's crazy. Now, I'm going to read this now. And then as I get triggered and I, or as I want to point out some problems, I will just, I will just yell it out. All right. And it'll be very easy to tell, you know, when I'm commentating. All right. All right. So here we go. Joe Biden, my plan for fighting inflation. Here he starts. I won't meddle with the Fed, but I will tackle high prices while guiding the economy's transition to stable and steady growth. That's his thesis. Now, what, is he, what the hell does he mean by he's going to guide the economy's transition to stable growth? What are we transitioning to? You got to keep that in mind, right? You know, Joe Biden was a, a lawyer, but a failed lawyer, but he was still a lawyer. So he's Usually, a little careful with his words, especially when you write something down, right? You know for a fact that they went through this with a fine-tooth comb, so we have to take every single word that they say and interpret it, you know, as best as we can. Here we go. The global economy faces serious challenges. Inflation is elevated because of Vladimir Putin's war in Ukraine. Oh, really? That's a total lie. You know, actually, <laughs> America's Prices were getting high way before we went to war with Ukraine, all right? Energy markets are in turmoil. Supply chains that haven't fully healed are causing shortages and price hikes. Well, wait a minute. Why are there actually supply chain problems right now? It's because you had these stupid COVID rules that you know didn't allow people who were unvaccinated to go to work. And they just said, screw it. I don't want to work in this industry anymore. And now they're off. They rediscovered, you know, themselves. And now they're off finding something else. And you have to, you know, retrain drivers and retrain all of these people who used to work in the factories down here. And you just don't have the hands. That's all of your fault, Joe Biden. That's all of your fault. When COVID was here at its height, we didn't have supply chain problems. Not at all. That's what happens when you tell, you know, liberal cities to shut it down. All right. So what did he say? Supply chains that haven't fully healed are causing shortages and price hikes. Now, let me tell you this. You know, a lot of people think that supply, you know, the supply and demand curve, and they, they believe that when the supply goes down, prices go up. Now, that is true it, when, you have, uh, when you have one supplier. So, for example, why don't we just take lumber for a reason? If you had one supplier of lumber in the United States, and all of a sudden, you know, you had less lumber, <laughs> your prices would go higher. But here in America, and in most free markets of the world, you have a lot of suppliers. You have tons of suppliers, okay? You just don't have one, one game console. You have, you have the Xbox, right? And you have the PlayStation. And also you have now PC gamers, right? You know, you, ha you have competition and competition keeps the prices low when the economy is healthy. When the economy is not healthy and we have 
actually supply chain problems because these these Xboxes, these these uh, these consoles, these computers can't find the chips to make to make it because we can't get them from China or some other place, or we can't or we can't cut down wood, you know, for lumber because of your stupid EPA rules, you know. All, that's why we have supply problems, and and right there with the with the um, with the uh, I guess the baby the baby f- uh, formula shortage, right? You have one company, Abbott, the same people who actually do the the uh, the COVID test. You know, they they actually would provide I think twenty to thirty percent of the formula baby formula in America, and guess what? They had it staffed correctly where there was no supply chain problem at all, right? And what does the FDA do under Joe Biden's order? Is that they actually shut that shut them down? They actually shut them down, and now they, they're trying to start, get started back up, but they can't because their employees went somewhere else because you shut them down. So they can't actually just open up like that. And this problem, again, was caused by Joe Biden, and they still haven't really fully opened up yet. They shut them down, and they shut them down when Abbott had told them, there's going to be a problem here. And Joe Biden and his, 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 his little minion said, I don't really care. I don't care, shut it down, even though there was no connection to any deaths caused by the baby formula that was created by Abbott. And to this day, they have not found any correlation between the four, the, the, the four babies that got sick, two of them which had died from the baby formula at these facilities. No correlation between Abbott's facilities and these deaths. And they still won't allow them to open. Again, where do these like factory workers go? Nah, they'll go work somewhere else. Maybe they're working in an Amazon place. Maybe they started their own business. Maybe some of them are going to pilot school right now. Maybe some of them are learning how to how to like you know you know become programmers, but they're no longer there. So that's what you get. That's what you get, Joe. And all of this is your problem. It has nothing to do, you know, with a supply chain problem or a supply problem because the economy is so hot. And that's what, that's what he's trying to say. The economy is so hot that we just ran out of crap. <laughs> that's total BS. Here we go. Back to reading. Americans are anxious. I know that feeling. I grew up in a family where it mattered when the price of gas or groceries rose. No, here he goes playing this stupid Scranton story again. You know, he always plays victim when he feels that he can get points with you. It never, he never, he never ever had to worry about the price of gas or groceries. Never, ever, ever did. Okay. We felt it around the kitchen table. But the American people should have confidence that our economy faces these challenges from a position of strength. No, we don't. How are we strong? How are we strong, Joe? We don't have the talent in the factories that, that require manufacturing, you know, to create the supply. Right? We don't have that talent anymore. They have left the building. Okay? Not only Elvis has left the building, everyone's left the building. And, and gas prices are getting so high. Diesel gas prices are getting so high that truckers are saying, you know what? <laughs> well, you know, we're not going to drive anymore. You know, I had this conversation with, a, with a, a friend of mine. Not really a friend of mine. A person. Why did you say a, a person? They have an MBA. And they said, you know what really bugs them? Is that Abbott 
they didn't staff themselves knowing that the FDA was going to shut them down. They had just the amount of right people to actually, you know, keep their factory alive, but they never hired more people. And I told him, you know what, genius? That's how you run a company. You always just hire just the right amount of staff. We're not the government. You know, we don't hire a second and third string, or what do they call those type of workers that are, uh, that are not essential? We don't hire non-essential workers in the, in the private industry. And this guy works actually um, <laughs> for government. He has an MBA. And he said, no, no, no. When you run a company, you have to hire non-essential workers. You, know, you, you just can't hire essential workers. I said, no, if we hire non-essential, and then we'll just go into debt, right? I don't have you know, tons of photographers to photographers on my staff. I have myself, you right. I have, I have only a few, you know, uh, ministers on my staff, a few wedding singers, you know, you know, a few florists on my staff. Should I hire like 10 or 20 just in case, you know, I can't find them? No, that's not how it works. Then I go broke. <laughs> These idiots, man. And, and by the way, again, like, did I mention they had an MBA, right? Okay. These, I swear, when you, people have MBA and they tell me, oh, they know a lot about business, I'm sorry. You don't know anything about business until you run a business. And it's all about running a business. It's all about making a profit. Okay. So Abbott was staffed perfectly. They had the perfect amount of people working at their staff because with that amount of staff, they could make a profit. If they hired more, they would be in the red, like the government who hires non-essential workers. I'm sorry, Joe. That's not how it works. I'm sorry, all you MBA people. Okay. Here we go. Back to reading. In January 2021, when I took office... The recovery had stalled and COVID was out of control. The recovery had not stalled. <laughs> Our economy was very, very strong when Donald Trump left office. It was very strong, very, very strong. We were energy independent, right? All Joe had to do was not do anything. All he had to do was go in the basement and go to sleep. And COVID, COVID was at its peak everywhere. But you know, guess, get this, get this. More people died under Joe Biden. More people got COVID under Joe Biden. And he had all the vaccines and all the treatments to treat this thing, but he actually just focused on the vaccine. He didn't use hydroxychloroquine. He didn't use ivermectin. He didn't use even quercetin or zinc or or even the, all these studies said vitamin D was a good thing. What did he want to do? Just lock everything down. He wanted He wanted to follow, he wanted to follow the example of China. China and New Zealand and just lock it down. And any and every single democratic, you know, run state and city locked it down like here in Hawaii. And that's why all of my savings went away. Right? You know, I did really well with the Dream Wedding Hawaii. And now it went all away. And now I have debt. <laughs> all because of Joe Biden. All because of my governor decided, hey, you know what? We're all in it together. So we're all going to lock down, you know, and... I'm essential because I'm the government. I'm talking like what that's what our governor said. And he even tried to give himself a raise. While you, Steve, who run a wedding company, it's okay. You stay home and here's 10 grand and make that last a year. Okay. <laughs> that doesn't work. Make 10 grand in a year? Are you crazy? <laughs> that's what I lived on, by the way. Just to let you know. It went from making a really good amount of money to 10 grand a year. 10 grand a year. <laughs> All right. You wonder why I'm pissed, right? All right. Okay, so he goes on. It says, in less than a year and a half, 
my administration's economic and vaccination plans help achieve the most robust recovery in modern history. The job market is the strongest since the post-World War II era, with 8.3 million new jobs. No, Joe, you did not create 8.3 new million jobs. It's just that people went back to work. That's all it is. You didn't create new jobs. The, in fact, there's less people working now than when Trump was actually in office. <laughs> you didn't create new jobs. People just went back to work. Like me, I went back to work. When I went back to work and all my ministers and, and the forest and all those guys went back to work, you didn't create our new jobs. We were there before. And by the way, some of those other people, by the way, they went to other jobs because you didn't allow them to work. They had to be vaccinated, right? Okay. All right, so here we go. The fastest decline in unemployment was on record, and millions of Americans were getting jobs with better pay. Ah, oh, a bunch of BS. Since I took office, families have increased their savings and have less debt. Really? Well, it doesn't apply to me. A recent Federal Reserve report found that a high percentage, percentage of Americans reported feeling financially comfortable at the end of 2021 that at any time before 20, any time before the survey began in 2013. So you're telling me that more Americans feel financially more comfortable now than in 2013? During Obama years? Really? Do you feel financially better than when you were in 2013? Obama years? I don't think so. Even under Obama, I was doing better. Okay. Business investment is up 20%. Really, Joe? And manufacturing jobs are growing at their fastest rate in 30 years. Well, what is that fast rate? You're not going to say the percentage rate, Joe? There are more new small business applications in 2021 than in previous years. Okay, but that doesn't mean they're successful. New small business applications doesn't mean a lot. It just means all of those other people who, should, who used to work maybe at Abbott or used to be truck drivers, are saying, huh, maybe I can, you know, do this for a new job, right? Maybe I can mow lawns and make a better money doing that. Or maybe I can be, become a truck consultant, so I need, I need a new business license, right? Here we go. The U.S. is in a better economic position than almost any other country. According to the Inter International Monetary Fund, the U.S. economy will be larger at the end of the end of the year relative to its pandemic size than any other group of the seven economies. Okay, so we're gonna what are we gonna you know compare them to? We're always gonna be the largest economy. The U.S. economy may grow faster this year than China's economy for the first time since 1976. Do you think our economy is growing faster than China's economy? Well, it may be growing faster now because China had just locked themselves down. You know, I'm just providing context, Joe. With the right policies, the U.S. can transition from a recovery to a stable, steady growth and bring down inflation without giving up all of these historic gains. What are you talking about? First of all, there's that word transition. You know, we don't need to transition or anything. We just need a good economy. You don't transition an economy. I mean, he's saying, oh, we can transition from recovery to stable. That doesn't, no, I'm sorry. Well, first of all, what is stable? What is stable? Are you, are you saying that we're unstable now? When you recover, you are actually an unstable economy that we don't have steady growth right now. I thought he just said he created so many jobs and all of a sudden we have unsteady growth and we're not, we're not, we're unstable. Here he goes again. During this transition, growth will look different. 
We will likely see fewer record job creation numbers. Oh, here we go. I'm getting prepared for bad news. But this won't be cause for concern. Rather, if average monthly job creation shifts in the next year from current levels of 500,000 to something closer to 150,000, it will be a sign that we are successfully moving into the next phase of recovery. <laughs> this guy is the spin doctor. Someone else is writing it for him. And, and what's happening right here when you have you know, less numbers of people actually, actually coming into the economy, all it means is that either less people are looking for jobs or people are, the economy is coming back down to normal because people are, they're not creating new jobs again. People are just going back to work. But there are so many people who are just not you know, willing to work. You know, today, you know, I'm sorry, a few days ago, when we actually went to uh, see Top Gun, uh, movie guy Keone, my cousin Nick, and uh, and uh, Ron, who we call Omaron because he had Omicron virus. Uh, well, we all went over to Bukene Beppo. And the first thing our server told us was that they are currently understaffed. They're operating at 30% staff level levels. And they also said that they're, they are basically back at pre-pandemic uh, business levels. So they have 30% of the staff of chefs, 30% the staff of like waiters working and Everyone's just pulling 90-hour weeks there, just trying to keep that business up. And they've been trying to hire people there, but people don't even show up to actually work because all they want to do is collect unemployment that is being provided by the federal government and the state governments. So, you know, this problem that they that they created right here, it's all Joe Biden's fault. A lot of people just don't want to go get back to work. And if it's happening at Buco de Beppo, it's happening someplace else too. And by the way, I also have a friend who also works with pandemic recovery uh, money. And he said that the pandemic recovery money is still going out there to um, certain businesses. So that's crazy right now because this pandemic is over. All right, here we go. Joe continues. He says, I ran for president because I was tired of the so-called trickle-down economy. Wait a minute. He ran for president because... Donald Trump said there were very fine people on both sides during that riot in Charlottesville. That's the reason why he said he ran for president. Oh, by the way, just to refresh your memory, before that, he said he ran for president because his son, Bo, begged him and said, can you, on his dying, on his, on his, on his uh, dying bed, that can you just run for president? That was the reason, original reason why he actually ran for president. And then it became, you know, you know, uh, 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 because of Trump was a white supremacist. And now it's he ran for president to battle trickle-down economics. <laughs> oh, boy. By the way, if you're wondering how trickle-down economy works, it just means that you know, the rich people, you, get, you, give, you give tax breaks to everyone. And when you give tax breaks to the very wealthy and incentives to actually start businesses, those businesses actually in, end up creating jobs. And then those people who work for them eventually end up learning skills and they start their own businesses and they and then it trickles down to, to other people who are employees because they start businesses, they have to hire employees. And that circle keeps repeating and repeating and repeating. And that's how you create wealth. I can tell you from Dream Weddings Hawaii, my wedding tree. I have taught so many other wedding planners, photographers, and videographers how to become professionals in this industry. And some of them have even exceeded my stature in this industry. They become actually better than me. 
right? More successfully, successful financially, successfully, you know, with booking more weddings, you know, and they've, they've done things better than me. But that's, but I gave them their start. That's how a trickle down economy works. You know, it's not only money that trickles down from the top, it's also skill. And, and you take these employees under your wing, you pay them, and they also apprentice you. They learn all your secrets, unfortunately, and then they start a business and they become your competitors, right? And then they become better than you. But, you know, and, and, that's, what, and that's how it goes. <laughs> um, wealth, in, wealth of knowledge, wealth and money, it always trickles down from the top. It never trickles up from the bottom. It never goes, it never builds from the middle. Like, for example, I would never learn things from my employees. They're learning things from me, all right? Now, sometimes I'm open-minded, and don't get me wrong, but it's never the other way around. They're not paying my salary, all right? <laughs> all right? It's not the way it is. All right. And by the way, when you always have new technology out there, like say, for example, the first Teslas, which were like $80,000 for like, you know, a car that should have only cost about five grand, uh, you know, it's the wealthy that keeps these businesses alive. So people are buying, like, remember the first, like, plasma TVs? They were, like, five, six grand and everything. Then the LEDs came out. They are like, 10 grand a piece. And now you can buy, like, an 85-inch, uh, uh, I guess, uh, LED uh, smart TV for about 600 bucks over at Costco. It's crazy, right? So in the beginning, it always, you know, you only have the wealthy people you know, who are paying for all of these things, you know, paying, paying the companies, and then eventually it gets cheaper and cheaper and cheaper because the technology just gets better and better and better. And all of a sudden, everybody has a flat screen in their, in their television, and the regular CRT television is like a thing of the past. So it always trickles down from the top, never from the middle out, what Joe keeps saying. All right. So let's going on, moving on. So he says, I ran for president because I was tired of the so-called trickle-down economy. We now have a chance to build on historic recovery with an economy that works for working families. The most important thing we can do now is to transition from rap rapid recovery to stable. Steady growth is to bring uh, steady growth is to bring inflation down. That is why I have made tackling inflation my top economic priority, and my plan has three parts. First, the Federal Reserve has a primary responsibility to control inflation. My predecessor demeaned the Fed, and past presidents have sought to influence its decisions inappropriately during periods of elevated inflation. I won't do this. I have appointed highly qualified people from both parties to lead that institution. I agree with their assessment that fighting inflation is our top, is our top economic challenge right now. He said nothing. Now, by the way, the Federal Reserve always tries to control inflation by increasing, increasing, uh, uh, I guess the inflation, uh, not inflation, the interest rates. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to cool the economy by telling businesses, uh, and also people that it's going to be a lot more expensive to actually borrow money. So don't even think about it. You know, don't open that new business. Don't buy that new house. We just want things to cool off, right? The truth is when a, when the economy is hot, you know, because uh, when when the economy is hot, because you're, you know there are more businesses being, uh, or more businesses are expanding, more houses are being bought, you can do those types of things, right? But right now, that's not what's happening. Businesses are not expanding; they're holding on to cash. Um, you know, you know, uh, people are buying homes, but they're not buying it through mortgages. They're just buying it flat, flat out of the cash. And most of the homes that are being bought are being bought by companies. 
So again, raising interest rates aren't going to do anything. And raising interest rates right now is, will probably just hurt the poor or the middle class because the poor and middle class have one big thing in common is that they have a lot of credit card debt. And that credit card debt's going to go up ex- exponentially, pretty much like how COVID numbers went up but when, it, when it was at its worst. When you start increasing the borrow rate or the interest rate uh, from the Fed, it's not good news. All right, going on. Second, we need to take practical steps to make things more affordable for families during this moment of economic uncertainty and to boost the productivity capacity of our economy over time. The price of the pump is elevated in large part because of Russian oil. Lie. Gas and refining capacities are off the market. That's his fault. We can't let up our global effort to punish Mr. Putin for what he's done. (laughs) What has he done? Right? You know, we've done the same thing, haven't we? Haven't we gone into Iraq? Haven't we gone into Afghanistan? Haven't we gone into Egypt? We've done the same thing. Shouldn't we be punished? <laughs> we actually went into Iraq and, and uh, we, over, we overthrew their government. And they ended up hanging their leader. You know, Iraq was a sovereign country and they didn't do anything to us. Nothing whatsoever. How is Russia so different? We bombed the hell out of Iraq, Right? We, over, we went over to Afghanistan, did the same thing, and lost and gave the, overthrew the government there and then gave it to the Taliban with $81 billion worth of American you know, military hardware. <laughs> well, I don't think Russia's going to do that to Ukraine, right? But again, we didn't do such a great job in Afghanistan. Why are we even pointing the finger? Think about that. All right. So he said here, uh, we must... We can't let up on our global effort to punish Mr. Putin for what he's done, and we must mitigate this effect for the American consumers. That is why I I led the largest release of global oil reserves in history. Congress could help right away by passing clean energy tax credits and investments that I have proposed. (laughs) What an idiot. Okay, so he thinks that by releasing global oil reserves, you know, that's going to actually help. And by the way, some of those oil reserves he gave to Ukraine... Okay, and then what does passing clean energy tax credits do anything for my high gas prices? Absolutely nothing. And and uh, CEOs, he's saying a dozen CEOs of America's largest utility companies told me earlier this year that my plan would reduce the average family's annual utility bills by five hundred dollars and accelerate our transition from energy produced by autocrats. Autocrats. That's a new word. So he's saying that he wants to transition our energy from fossil fuels to, to EV. To, we're talking to you know, solar panels and windmills and water power. Off nuclear and off coal. That's why you're paying more. So anytime he says transition, he's talking about transitioning from off of gas. Because he has a green new energy mindset. Okay. Oh. <sighs> 34 minutes into my podcast. I'm still not done with this, guys. I will start reading it. He's almost done here. We can also reduce the cost of everyday goods by fixing broken supply chains, improving infrastructure, and cracking down on the exorbitant fees that foreign ocean freight companies charge to move products. (laughs) We never had that problem before, right? How do you fix the broken supply chains, Joe? You have no idea. Of course we've got to fix the broken supply chains and improve our infrastructure. You're the one who broke it. 
My housing supply action plan will make housing more affordable by building more than a million more units. Oh, more government housing. Thank you. Uh, closing the housing shortfall in the next five years. We can reduce the price of prescription drugs by giving Medicare the power to negotiate with pharmaceutical companies and capping the cost of insulin. And we can lower the cost of child and elder care to help parents get back to work. I've done what I can on my own to help working families during this challenging time and will keep acting to lower costs where I can. But now Congress needs to act too. What the hell has he done? This guy, this dude, Joe, has not done anything. Now, some of the things are pretty interesting here, you know, about, you know, we can lower the cost of child and elder care to help parents get back to work. How do you do that? How do you actually do that? You know, my, my, um, my family takes care of my grandmother who has, you know, Alzheimer's. She's like almost 100 years old. And, uh, you know, luckily we have, you know, uh, my, my mom and her sister and the brothers. They all take care. And we also pay someone. But, uh, you know, how does it help? How does it help us? <laughs> and that's what, a lot of, that's what a lot of families do. You know, the brothers and sisters get together and take care of their, their parents. What does it do? How does it help us? I don't know. He, he doesn't explain himself here. I mean, how do we fix the, the, how do we improve the infrastructure? He just says we have to do that. <laughs> okay. All right. And, and we, we need to go to the moon too. And I need a million dollars, by the way, right? How do I do that? <laughs> He's just saying things. All right. Moving on. Almost done, people. Almost done. Third, we need to re keep reducing the federal deficit. And which will help ease price pressures. Last week, the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office projected that the deficit will fall by $1.7 trillion this year, the largest reduction in history. <laughs> well, why don't we put this in context? Joe, <laughs> your Build Back Better plan, Senator Manchin, he did not go through with it, and that's why it's $1.7 trillion less. In fact, that's why it's $4 trillion less. And, and by the way, it's only $4 trillion less. The year before that, it's $8 trillion more. You spend so much money. Nancy Pelosi, all of you folks, with Joe, you overspent. You spent so much money. And it didn't do anything. This deficit progress wasn't preordained. In addition to winding down emergency programs responsibly, about half the reduction is driven by an increase in revenue as my economic policies powered a rapid recovery. Just how did any of your economic policies power a rapid recovery? I want to know. I would love Dream Weddings Hawaii to rapidly recover. I really would. I would like to know. And a lot of my other friends who own businesses would like to know how to rapidly recover. <laughs> you know, we're all business people. We've been in business you know, for a pretty long time. Much long. You know, Joe Biden is so smart. The, the Democrats are so smart. Because I want to know how much business, business experience they share together between them. And I bet my friends and myself have way more knowledge about how to run a business and how about how, how the economy affects our business, how we actually create jobs. We're the ones who are creating jobs, not you, Joe. We're the ones who actually create the jobs out there. So shouldn't you listen to us? Shouldn't we be out there on the hill counseling you? <laughs> right? Instead of your, what do you get? Who is Joe Biden getting to counsel him? 
Well, he has other politicians and he has academic professors who know nothing, absolutely nothing about the economy. You know, I'll tell you this one story. By the way, um, there's one more paragraph here. It's completely stupid. He's just praising himself on on, on how good he is. We're going to end it right here. But I got this one story to tell you. I talked to this one economics professor and um, uh, he was actually a former client of mine. He wrote a, his wife hated what I did for her, her wedding. Um, so, you know, they wrote me a bad complaint. And what were they accusing me of? They were accusing me of, of actually giving, giving them a lay that was too expensive for them. So I charged them $45 for, no, I charged them $35 for a lay. Um, and it was a lay that uh, one of my florists put together, stream put together, and it was a really nice lay. It was a pakaki lay with a rose rope lay. And uh, my price was about $20, and I sold it for $35, so I made $15. And, um, and they told me that they could find that same lay for $5 at Walmart. <laughs> I said, really? That pakaki lay with the rose rope you can find for like $5? Tell me where. Tell me where. And then they said, when they looked on the, on the, 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 the box that I gave them, because I gave him a flower box, an, uh, a lay box. It said $5 for the orchid lay there. I said, well, first of all, that's, that's an orchid lay box from Walmart. Now, this is back like about three, four years ago when things were actually affordable. Um, and uh, that is for a different lay. That's for the purple orchid lays. And at that time, they only cost, cost five bucks from Walmart, and which I sold for 10. And this economics professor, he said that, okay, fine, Steve, you got us there. But how much did you pay for it? I said, well, you don't, you're not really privileged to that knowledge, but I'll tell you anyway. It's $20. And he says, well, why don't you sell it to me for $20? I said, well, I have to make a profit. So I sold it to you for $35. And then he said, Steve, that is not ethical of you. He looked me, at, he looked me in the eye and said, Steve, I'm an economics professor. And I can tell you, that's not how you make a profit. That's not how you run a business. You know, I could sue you for gouging me on prices because this only costs $20. You told me it costs you $20 and you're not giving it to me for $20. So I asked him, how am I supposed to make a profit if I don't mark it up? $15. And he looked at me again and he pointed his finger at my face. And he said, Steve, that's what you go to college for. That's what, it, that's what his answer was. This guy, who's a professor of economics, forgot which college it was, he was tenured. He has no idea how to make a penny. <laughs> you always buy a widget or something, a product or whatever, at a wholesale cost, you mark it up and you sell it to the customer for more. <laughs> that's what you do. And usually it's a 60-40 split, right? You buy it and the price you mark it up 60%. That's what it is. Oh, idiots. Idiots, idiots, idiots. And that's what kind of people you probably have advising Joe Biden. What can I say, people? What can I say? Oh, you know what I can say is that I, I hope Trump runs for office in 2024. Because this dude... And I don't care if you think he was like, you know, mean or anything like that. He knew how to actually run the U.S. economy. What did he tell us? You know, people asked him. 
you know, how did you keep inflation down when the economy was so hot? He said one thing. I kept gas prices down low. I made sure gas prices were always affordable because everything always touches gas. And as long as gas is affordable, you know, you're keeping the cost of goods down. And it is so true because everything is about gas. You run a restaurant, right? <laughs> Order stoves, gas, right? Your electricity, you know, powered by a gas power plant. <laughs> Everything's gas, right? Your, your, your refrigerator, sometimes gas, <laughs> even even some of your barbecue stoves out there, right? They got to start got to start it by gas. Everything's gas, gas, gas. And and if you keep the cost of gas down, you know you're gonna your 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 cost of your cost of goods will be a lot cheaper. Everything across the board, and to and to and to get food here to our place, gas. Everything's gas, right? Travel, tourism. I don't have to tell you that. And because the price of gas now is more than likely going to go up to $10 a gallon, we are going to be in so big trouble. And Joe Biden, Joe Biden and his minions, and maybe Joe Biden is a minion himself, they're attacking the coal industry. They're attacking the energy industry. They want, under their mind, they're, they're living in this bubble that, you know, if we just get ourselves to electric vehicles... If we just replaced all the gas cars, we're doing something greater here because we're saving the world. We're, it doesn't matter that we're destroying it now, that make, we're making your life miserable now. We're transitioning. And this is just painful. It's all worth it. And let me tell you this. Green energy. It's only for the wealthy. You buy solar panels, it's expensive as hell. You buy a Tesla, you buy an EV car, it's expensive as hell, all right? You, know, you buy a battery, the Tesla battery, those batteries that go into the side of your home, it's expensive. What's really cheap? Gas, or was cheaper? Gas. So right now, who is Joe Biden hurting? The middle class, the poor. He's hurting people like me, I'm middle class. In fact, I'm, I'm going to be on the edge of poor pretty soon. I feel poor. I feel really, really poor because, you know, I don't have a good government job. You know, you know, people, you know, the funny thing about it is that, you know, when people in the government, I remember when I first started to go into business, I mean, coming right out of high school, 1995, you know, you had a, you had an option. You want to get a government job, you want to go private sector. Now at that point, you always said, you always wanted to go private sector because the private sector always paid a lot more for doing the same job. And now it's switched because the government, you know, the equivalent, you know, the equivalent job pays so much more in the government, way more. And on top of that, you have useless jobs in the government where people get paid to do something. I know so many people who have government jobs that there is no private sector equivalent. None. You know, there are people who just look over contracts all day to make sure like, you know, you know, requests for proposals are like, you know, legit or like have the, have the, the look of being legit. There's no such thing when you go into the private sector. In fact, in the private sector, a lot of times things aren't even done with a contract. 
You know, things are put out for bid. We don't look look for things. Hey, if when, I, when I look for a minister or when I look for like another photographer, I look for the best one. I don't I don't put it out for a bid. I don't I don't do a, an RFP and say, oh, wait a minute, in this RFP, are you a certain uh, are you a certain like you know race? Uh, you know, are, are, do you make this amount of money? I do. I, I need to look, look at your business plan. I don't do all of that BS, right? That's not the way business is done. So there's no need for someone to look over contracts. <laughs> not not in not in the private industry. The owner just says, "Hey, all right, let's take a risk on this guy. I like this guy, and that's it. You give the guy a job. It's real simple." All right, people. It's two o four a.m. I better get out of here, right? I really should. I didn't have to clear my throat during this podcast, and we're pretty good. I'm thinking I'm I'm done with COVID, but you know. That stupid cough it loves to just hang around. Thank you so much for listening, people. Guys, gals, gender fluid, two-spirit liberals. You know, love you all. Talk to you soon. All right, everyone. That's it for today. I had fun podcasting. If you like what you hear, please share my podcast. If you can't find me, look on your favorite podcast platform and look for... BBQ2 Movies. That's BBQ TO Movies. Yeah, the TO is not the number two, by the way. It is TO, like Terrell Owens. So that's BBQ2 Movies. Catch you around.